Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Rockies affiliate of SB Nation, part of Purple Row. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and as always, joining back from our brief hiatus after one week, once again joined by Evan Lang. It's been one week since you looked at me. And Mac Wilcox. It's been a, a week of sunburn and of heat exhaustion, so I've missed you all dearly. Yeah, Mac went camping. I did. Like a nerd. And apparently, I found out that sunscreen is 100% necessary at all times, and if you don't put on sunscreen, you pay for it dearly. This is not an audio medium that you all are listening to, which is just as well, because the bright beat redness of my body would not transfer well to your home devices. So I'm glad we don't have to deal with that here. Yeah. Over the webcam, you don't look that bad, honestly. That's good because, man, and I think it's gotten better since this is we record on Fridays. Because when I came back to town on Monday, like my entire face was bright red except for my like extraordinarily pronounced sunglasses tan. It was just awful. It was it was not great. <laughs> Happy yes. back though. Well, no the terrible damage that the sun can do especially on us very pale folk <laughs> yeah bro and that's me pale as they come there's a reason i never leave the house or never take my shirt off <laughs> but anywho's uh we've got a lot to talk about and kind of to start off here at the top of the show a little bit of this more somber note as many of you hopefully have seen on purple row uh we there's gonna be some changes here at purple row uh, there were some budget cuts 
very unfortunate situations, but back on August 30th, um, so during the week that we didn't record, as we were just kind of figuring everything out, uh, we were told that our budget was going to be cut down, along with the several other baseball sites here. Budget's getting cut by about two-thirds, which, based purely on page views, just the dip in page views, and so Sam and our, our editing main editors came together and kind of figure out a plan here and for the most part purple row will be continuing continuing on and pretty much everybody will be continuing on in some capacity here with us uh becca here on the site she will not be sticking on so after the season and everything she'll be moving on bigger and better things with life hmm. some things so it, it kind of a silver line there it kind of serendipitous I think she was looking for some changes anyway so as hard as it is things have worked out for her but leadership will stay the same a lot of the rest of the team will stay on but now during the off season rock piles stay the same get one each per day but we may see you know, a little bit fewer articles we'll still try to put out as much you know, good content as we can sounds like though our posting requirements are kind of getting cut back and during the season, there'll no longer be game recaps. So just rock piles, game threads during the season, and we'll link to an outside recap. Which, it's unfortunate because, you no know, Mac and Evan, you guys both do game recaps. Always do a good job with them. Aw. A little bittersweet, not being able to, to have us do those anymore. But again, budget cuts, you know, yeah, the sacrifices have to be made. Uh, yep. But, oh, continue on. Yeah, I can, I'll expand on that just a little bit. Um, so basically in regards to um, site content overall, uh, due to our budget cuts, our posting obligations have been decreased. So basically under our contracts for Purple Row under SB Nation and Vox Media, um, Purple Row will have at least one article per day. That is the, the new obligation. So that's usually going to be the rock pile written by one of our awesome writers. And those will continue during the off-season, like Skyler said. It really is the... The main thing is that the game day coverage is going to be pretty different going into next season. Um, there will still be game threads up for everybody to chat in and do all that stuff, which is great. I know those are the... Those tend to be the heavy hitters on game day. And people like having a forum where they can discuss the game, and so we're happy to provide that. Um, I'm... A little bummed that we're not going to be able to do the recaps anymore, just because those were... Um, I always enjoy doing those, but it is what it is. A big, a big thing for us, for us three especially, is that podcasts will not be affected. Um, so you will continue to get new episodes of Affected by Altitude with us three. Um, though, because the season is coming to an end here... Um, posting for that's going to be a little bit more sporadic because there's just not as much content in the off season. Um, basically, we we're going to do like what we did last year, where we are more likely to be recording once a month or once every couple of weeks, or just whenever we want to, <laughs> instead of once every week. Just because, you know, in the middle of January, not a whole lot of baseball news to talk about. Hmm. Uh, the excellent Pebble Report co podcast with uh, Kenneth Weber and Justin Wick will also continue. Basically, um, same thing for them. And 
at the end of the day, and, and Mac will get your feelings on this as well, I am just happy that the majority of us have been able to stay on and continue to provide you guys with the the excellent content that we strive to put out. And while it's sad that Becca is stepping away, uh, she's always going to be a part of the Purple Row family, whether it's uh, as a contributor or just, you know, as our friend and, and colleague. And so at the at the end of the day, I'm just glad that we get to continue on here and continue to write and, and get things done for you guys, the, the listeners and the readers. Indeed. Yeah, I want to, we'll get to you real quick, Mac. Uh, and something I wanted to piggyback off of that is also just the support scene on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's you know, been retweeting after this article went out and this announcement. Just all the support rallying behind us and the, the kind words we've all heard from folks. Been very appreciative. And despite their best efforts, unaffected by altitude continues on. Yeah. <laughs> Not all a lot of that. I mean, that's pretty much basically like you guys said, like that's the gist of it. Um, you know, we obviously everybody that contributes to the site, um, both the people you hear on the podcast and the people that you might not hear from as often, um, you know, we work with every day. We obviously love what we do. We take a lot of pride in what we do, um, bringing what we consider to be um, top flight content relating to the Rockies and the minor league systems that they have. And we're going to keep doing that. You know, obviously the situation um, as it currently stands is not ideal. It's not what we were hoping to hear, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't cap our drive to continue to do what we do. So just like they said, obviously the support is super appreciated. Um, we are going to keep on keeping on. And even though the amount of content on the site might be less, we've always believed in the idea that's quality over quantity and that will not change. Um, every article you get from one of us at purple row, be it myself, Skylar, Evan, Justin or Kenneth or Sam or, and the other dozens of people that we have, um, you know, working through the Purple Rose writing staff, it's always going to be content that we take seriously, that we take pride in, and that we hope you guys get um, something out of. So that's all. That's all I really got to say about it. It's uh, is that standard of quality. I don't think we uh, have any intention of losing or, or dipping. Um, so stick with us, man. We'll we'll get it figured out. Um, future obviously is in question, but. We know what our game plan is for right now, and that is just to kind of keep on keeping on. And, and, that's, yeah. and to those out on social media and those that are listening to this, uh, I, we know it's tough with covering the Rockies right now. There's not a lot yes. of interest in there, and that's unfortunate. No, That's something we can't control. But if you do see a headline or an article from Purple Row that you find interesting, check it out yep. and then share it. Share it so we can you – know, this whole thing – decision was based upon page views and like you no know, traffic on the website and so yeah there's been a lot of that dwindling interest but anything any views go a long way in helping us out and sharing and just getting the word out there you know and keep up bro because we have a fantastic online community you know dedicated people that are always commenting in the that are always in the comments on articles and the game threads so they're just as huge a part of this. Anything you can do is also very helpful. You know, it helps us keep doing this and keep talking about the Rockies and you know, having fun. 100%. Best way that we can. So thank you all 
uh, just keep sticking with us and we'll just keep pressing forward together and let us know what kind of content you'd like to see or articles right ideas and stuff share them with us on the website or on twitter you can find any of our writers on twitter let us know what kind of content you want to see or make some fan posts you know like if if you got something you want to write about you know like that's something that the website allows you to do uh, myself and Skylar and Evan, I think we all did fan posts at one point or other before we were on the site ourselves. I know I did at least. Um, Skylar says no, maybe not. Okay, uh, but uh, but yeah, like fan posts is something y'all can do too, man. If there's something that you feel really passionate about, if you want to contribute to the site in your own way, like there's a section on the site for fan posts. You know, if you got an article idea, or if you just have a story you want to tell, or if you have thoughts on a on a certain situation, throw it up, man. Like we're always happy to to read and discuss what other people say on the website. So, um, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Alrighty. I think we got, let's get the actual news, huh? Yeah. Now yeah. that, uh, now that that's out of the way, let's, let's get talk to baseball. It. Let's talk about how the Rockies struck out 16 times against. <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to touch on business. that. We're not opening that wound. <laughs> uh, let's get into just some quick hits here. Injuries. Lucas Gilbreth done for the season. Very unfortunate. He turned his season around after a little bit rough at the very beginning, some inconsistency, and then, no, over the past couple of months has really turned into that lockdown left-handed reliever out of the bullpen, one of the few very reliable relievers in the bullpen. Unfortunate elbow stuff, never fun, is on the injured list. He's done for this season. And I just kind of want to get Evan's take here since he's our resident Lucas Gilbreth expert. (laughs) Hmm. Just you know, just the impact this has. So it's tough because the Rockies already don't have a lot of lefties available for the bullpen to begin with. And so you get the double whammy of Gilbreth, who has been honestly one of the team's best relievers throughout most of the year, combined with the fact that he was the, you know, one of the lone lefties in the pen is, is a huge blow to that bullpen. And it also is really tough for, for Gilly as an individual because the beginning of his season he got COVID, and that uh, contributed a lot to uh, his struggles in the beginning of the season, especially in April. But then in May, after he was he was called back up and and back on the back on the horse, he really really did an excellent job. Like he had a very good season, and it's tough because at the end of end of the stretch here, especially. Going into August, there is a, a really evident dip in his performance, and that comes basically immediately after August 4th, where from August 5th to August 26th, when he was shut down for the season, he had a, a 953 ERA and a 558 FIP. And you could immediately tell, like, something doesn't look quite right here. And so I had been wondering if he was, if he was hurt in some way. And then when they shut him down with that elbow injury that was really the explanation of it for me because if you look at how he had done up through that so you basically look at when he is recalled back to the team and has his first outing on may 10th all the way through august 4th he had 35 outings uh 34 total innings pitched and he had an era of 212 and that's backed up with a really good fip of 258 so he was pitching as well as his stats showed. 41 strikeouts, only one uh, home run allowed, and hitters were hitting uh, 209, 306, 270 against him. That's really, really good for a second-year pitcher um, 
throughout a large bulk of the season. And then you unfortunately, you see that dip, that immediate dip in August when that elbow injury starts to sort of rear its ugly head. And thankfully, it doesn't look like he's going to need Tommy John or anything like that. He's going to be getting um, platelet-rich plasma injections, it sounds like, as part of his treatment over the offseason with the goal of being ready to go for spring training um, at the beginning of next year. So, you know, really, really tough to see Gilly go down, especially um, when he caps off what has been a really good and I think very much overlooked how good his season has been um because i had a lot of people in my in my mentions and stuff like that on on twitter saying oh look you know gilly's struggling it's etc etc and it's like but it really has for the majority of the season he he wasn't struggling where if he gave up an earned run it would be very scattered so like in july he would go five or six games without giving up an earned run. And even then, it'd only be, you know, one or two. He went the entire month of June without giving up an earned run. He he had been really, really good. And so, you know, unfortunately, he goes down. But it's here at the end of the season. It's not super-duper serious. So I am just hoping, um, you know, he can take his time to recover and just be ready to rock and roll next year because he really is, as one of the few lefty bullpen options we have, a really, really important part of this team, especially when you look at sort of how he developed, where he basically went from playing a ball to being a major league reliever in the span of a year. And that is that is Pretty so, wild. so huge. Pretty and wild. his his development and his reliability out of the pen this year has been incredibly important to this team and and really shows that he's found his place as a major league reliever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just a huge hit losing him, uh, but hopefully get healthy, get him back for next year. Uh, he's not really missing out on much this season, so take time, get healthy, regroup, and get back for 2023. Definitely. Because we need a left-handed reliever because apparently the Rockies stopped believing in left-handed pitchers outside <laughs> of a starting rotation. <laughs> so fun stuff, but let's keep moving on. Uh, Jose Iglesias really quick. We won't dive into this. He goes on the injured list. Um, I can't remember what exactly wrist uh, thing. It was thumb a thing, hand injury of some kind, some sort of hand appendage, some digit. <laughs> he, he'll be out for a while, which uh, it works out one way or another. And Chris Bryant, he yes, he still does exist. Hmm. Will we ever see him again? I don't know, but I hope he enjoyed his paycheck this year because it's just very unfortunate that nothing else went his way this year. Yep, unfortunate, but such is the game. But there's a blessing in disguise with these guys going on the injured list because, and this is the big thing, the kids are playing. They're playing baseball, Mac. Yes, they are. The Rockies. Uh, September call-ups and near the end of August, they're really engaging. And here in this last part of a lost season, they're kind of embracing, let's let the kids play, let's see what we've got. Sean Bouchard came back up after a super brief stint earlier in the season. Alan Trejo's back up in September. He's getting regular playing time now with Iglesias down. Ilaris Montero is getting more action really since the beginning of August. They've been letting him play more and more, getting regular playing time. And then the big one for me, I don't know about you guys, but 
Michael Tolia, mm-hmm. our base, one of our top first baseman prospects, gets called up surprisingly at the end of August and is getting everyday playing time now at first base and in right field. And the kids are playing, and it's a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll let you guys pick here. Who, who do you want to talk about? I know who I want to talk about, but <laughs> Mac, who who intrigues you the most out of these young guys that are getting playing time of these position players or pitchers that are up? Yep. So I'm going to steal the one I know everyone wants to talk about, but i got to start with Tolia. I think that this is the guy that the Rockies have really considered to be that next first baseman of the future. Since Todd Helton retired, as we know, it's sort of been a revolving door of first basemen that have come in to kind of fill the role. You've had your Mark Reynolds, your Justin Morneau's, your Daniel Murphy's, your Ian Desmond's. First baseman. Uh, you know, I think that they've all contributed in certain ways. Um, obviously, Mark Reynolds was not a bad uh, spot for them for a couple of years. Justin Morneau won a batting title. That was cool. Even right now, you know, CJ Crone has done a really solid job, and he's arguably been their best or most consistent offensive player over the last couple of seasons. But Tolia is the guy. You know what I mean? He's been compared favorably to Todd Helton in the past. But this is our opportunity to finally see him at the big league level. What is that going to mean? What's he going to do? Well, all he's going to do in you know his first few weeks, uh, counting even just September, he's hitting 250 with a home run, five runs batted in. He's got four doubles. This is all over you know 24 at bats. Like he's hitting for power. He is looking really comfortable at the plate. He just looks like he belongs right now. Uh, you know, he had a he had a game recently where you know he snagged a liner off of. Uh, can't remember the, the the batter, but I, you guys remember this play where he snags this line drive that, you know, veterans going to have trouble with that. The most recent game that he played was uh, obviously on the seventh. We record on Friday, so that would have been the most recent Rockies game is the finale against the Brewers. He went um, uh, uh, he went two for four with four RBI, including a home run and a double. Like he just looks so comfortable at the big league level right now, and in a season that has been, let's just be honest, probably not that much fun to watch, right? Which we'll talk about here as the Rockies look to avoid 100 losses. Um, this is the kind of stuff you watch for. Mm-hmm. Guys that you are really considering, these are part of our long-term future plans. We're going to talk about Montero. We're going to talk about Trejo. We're going to talk about those guys here in a second. But, like, Tolia is, I would say, basically written in to be the first base for the next six, seven years. You know what I mean? Like, this is the guy. To see him come up in limited playing time at the big league level and tear the cover off the ball in the way he's been doing, it is an overwhelmingly positive uh, result for Rockies fans and for the Rockies on-field product to see, okay, because yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you bring up a guy, okay, he's going to struggle a bit AAA. Uh, maybe he's going to struggle at the big league level too, sure. But he tore up AAA. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was te- he was a monster in Albuquerque. Then he comes to the big leagues. Okay, well, he's going to struggle in the big leagues. No, he's doing just fine. Mm-hmm. He looks like he belongs. So I am extraordinarily happy for Tolia. Obviously, on a personal level, he is so happy to be here. His family has been interviewed a couple times. They've been obviously beside themselves with joy about this whole situation. But from a purely competitive on-field baseball aspect, he is looking every bit like the prospect that we've been hearing about for the last few seasons. And you know, I, I, I just I really think that the Rockies are doing a good job letting the kids play right now. We've we've talked a lot about this, about how they rely on veterans 
in their everyday lineup, maybe more than we feel that they should. But now in these opportunities where they are just letting the kids play, they're actually not bad. Mm-hmm. They're winning some baseball games. Yeah. You know, they it... took uh, – sorry, but I was going to say, like, they, they beat the Brewers handily recently. This is great to see. What do you got on this, man? Well, I was going to throw it here over to Evan or keep on the Tolia train because it is yeah. Tolia time. But we've <laughs> seen him – not Mac to talk a little bit about his offensive, but something that's intrigued me is his defense mm. where he's looked really good, not just at first base. He doesn't play a shabby right field either. Yep. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts here on just the the overall like defensive capabilities and mixed in with that offensive capabilities, Evan? So we knew that he was going to play some some darn good first base defense, especially after we uh, were told that Todd Helton specifically had singled him out to work with. And that guy's on not defense. Too yeah. And I think. It really is interesting how much shades of Todd Helton I am getting from Mikey Toes right now. <laughs> Not just with the defense, but really quick, I'll, I'll touch on his hitting real quick. So Todd Helton could hit for power pretty well, but what he was most specifically known as was a prodigious doubles hitter. And so far, of his eight big league hits, Michael Tolia... Half of them are doubles. And that's just something that was really, really sticking out to me. But it's true that he's got this great first base defense, and we've seen him make some really good plays out there. And then, just to facilitate getting him some playing time, the the Rockies have been putting him out in right field, a position that he's not super familiar with. He hasn't played a ton of it over his career. And he's done just fine out there, mm-hmm. which is really really good to see especially if, as a way to facilitate him getting additional playing time here at the end of the season uh when you really don't know how things are going to shake out next year at least for this year there is a way to make sure he is in that lineup every single day which is the most important thing is there is less than a month left of baseball and all of these kids need to be playing pretty much every day and that's what we've been getting so far for for Michael Tovia, where he was called up on August 30th, and he's played uh, nine games. And that's exactly what you want. And uh, another really big thing that I just want to point out is the is the clubhouse presence already, is that you can already tell he's making a positive impact in that clubhouse, that his teammates, you know, love him. When they were doing, doing handshakes uh, the other day after the Brewers game, you could hear all the players sort of, you know, shouting his his adulations, um, you know, calling him big togs and stuff like that. They already clearly really love him. And this is is really important because with Michael Tolia, he is expected to be, you know, the first baseman of the future. And I know that there are some other first base prospects and even Alaris Montero is uh, a potential first baseman of the future. But Michael Tolia is the one where if you are expecting one of these prospects to be the first baseman of the future, it's probably this guy. And at the end of the day, I don't think he's going back down to AAA anytime soon. I think he is spending the rest of this season up with the big league team, obviously. And honestly... I would be really shocked if he did not start 
next season on the active roster with how he has nice. done and with how he has handled himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it begs, you know, with the way he performs now and a lot of these younger guys, you know, that can inform some moves they make in the offseason. Yep. You know, do they move on from C.J. Crone with that one year left on his deal, send him off somewhere? Do you, you know, do you trade away Randall Grichik? Do you, you know, do you just do your best to try and convince Charlie Blackman to turn down his $12 million option for next year? There's a lot of dominoes that fall from these guys playing, which forces decisions, which the Rockies have always been very adverse to making. Hmm. But yeah, I'm super excited for Tolly, and it's fun to see him. You know, it And partly, it's just nice to have a switch hitter in the lineup again. There's just something about a big switch hitting person in your lineup that just fills me with joy. Because, boom, instant, he can hit from either side of the plate. So that negates any pitching you know, type of thing. And so it, it's fun to watch him. Big time power. He blasted that bomb at Coors Field. Absolutely crushed it. So happy to see Tolly up. And what's also fun for him, his buddy Sean Bouchard is also up. And he's, yep. he hasn't done too bad. He's been surprisingly good. Both of them have their first career home runs in the big leagues. No, happened within the same road trip mm-hmm. when they were called up. He's been playing a solid left field, doing well. He's shown some good patience at the plate. And his performance for me is maybe kind of you know, pushing the envelope of, well, does Connor Joe stick around on the team? No, do we just stick with Sean Bouchard? It's been fun to see guys like Bouchard, Tolia, these guys get that playing time that they really need. Bouchard especially, that's interesting stuff there. Yeah, where Bouchard's really excelled is not really with with average, though since he was called back up on August thirtieth, he's you know, he's hitting two thirty five, uh, has you know, four hits, a home run, three RBIs. But where he has really ex- excelled is defensively in left field and with getting on base. Yep. Where he has six strikeouts and five walks for an on base percentage since August thirtieth of four oh nine. And it's a little different to how he was playing down in Albuquerque this year in terms of he was te- he was tearing the cover off the ball with AAA Albuquerque this year where he had a slugging percentage of 635 and a batting average of 300. But what is the same is that walk-to-strikeout ratio and that on-base percentage. He's a very patient hitter at the plate, and that's what you like to see. Yeah, that's really nice and, and good for him. And like I said, push the envelope push the decision, you know, fight for a spot of, you know, do we need both Sean Bouchard and Connor Joe? Yep. Uh, no point having all of the makeup of the same exact player on your roster. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of some redundancy there. But who knows? We'll see. But good for him. Uh, really quick here, before we do Treo, Montero. And this yep. is a big one that we've talked about all ye- all year. The times that he's been up, they haven't let him play. It's, and there's been some reasoning behind that, more so just getting him acclimated and really working on his defense and getting some action, which that's good. But he, he needed more playing time at some point. And so when they called him up in August, the goal was we're going to let him play as much as we can. And he's been out there most every day, whether at third base, DHing, first base, bouncing around. And for the most part, he's 
getting his licks in. He's doing fairly decent. What's your take here on Montero here, Mac? Yeah, man. No, you're you're spot on. You mentioned that you know he wasn't playing for a little while when he first got called up, and you're exactly right. When he was first brought up to the big league level, it was pretty sporadic, but he played the majority of games in August. The vast majority of games in August he played. All he did in August was his 278 with uh, four bombs, and he knocked in. Um, oh my god, my spreadsheet's gone. 14, 14 uh, runs batted in. Like he is another guy that you know. I personally, I think he's going to profile more as the DH spot. Um, I think he plays a solid first base and third base. I think he can he can play some decent corners if guys need a rest. But I think he kind of looks like that DH um, that the Rockies have really needed some help with over the last um, couple seasons where the DH has been part of the game. And, you know, as the DH looks to be part of the game for the foreseeable future, uh, he is a guy that slots in that spot really well for me. Bat first. Um, you know, they got a lot of really solid gloves for the infield, so they don't need him over there. But I do think he's a guy that you got to have the lineup just about every single day. He, he is another dude, just like Tola, that has looked really, really comfortable at the big league level. And as you said, you know, when you let him play, he looks great. He's played solid in September as well. You know, 267 average, a home run, a couple of doubles, an RBI. He struck out. The big thing for him is going to be limiting those strikeouts, right? He's mm-hmm. got seven strikeouts and 15 at-bats so far in September. You got to get that K rate down. Got to get some more good swings, get the ball uh, in a good place. Don't chase so much out of the zone. We've seen him do that a little bit recently. But that's one of those things that is just going to kind of come up whoops, can kind of come with time. Uh, And as he continues to acclimate and as he continues to gain comfortability at the big league level, I do believe those strikeouts are going to come down. He's always been a strikeout guy. We know that about him. Mm -hmm. And that's why he slots in as a DH for me. But, yeah, this is – we are fully in – as the season winds down, we are fully in let the kids play mode. And he is somebody that I think is benefiting from this more than almost anybody else. And I want to see it keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, keep – letting him develop. He's doing a lot of work with Stu Cole before the games, which is great to see. He's really just trying to make himself be available in any role that the team needs him in. And that drive is there. The power is there. The average, I think, is in there. Um, Keep it going, man. Let him play every day. Finish out the season strong and have him start 2023 as your designated hitter. That's where I'd like to see him play, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Evan? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, Montero, since he was called back up in August, has really been playing very well. And like you mentioned, the the strikeout rate is is high, something like 33%. Mm-hmm. But he is a rookie, and like Max said, that's going to come with experience. Because we saw him really get that strikeout rate down in the minors, where before he was traded over the Rockies, he had a similar strikeout rate of in the in the low to mid 30s and then when he came over to the Rockies organization he really did improve on that strikeout rate so I think it is something that he can definitely get a handle on um, probably not this year but going into next year but the big thing that's going to be for him is that he's you know he's the big bopper and he really does profile more as a designated hitter at this point and his you know 10 doubles and five home runs is really uh, a testament to that but the, it is so it is so nice right now after how frustrated we all were during the um, the early parts of the season where he was sort of going back and forth and he was just sitting on the bench when he was up here and he was not getting playing time 
and we were just sort of throwing him back and forth and not really letting him play that how how big it's been how important it's been to to watch him get this playing time and watch him really blossom and he's been he's been fun to watch and that's that's honestly a a big deal for me is it being fun to watch more than more than anything else is that your your team's got to be fun and this team for a lot of this year has not been let's be honest but getting all these kids playing time these exciting rookies your tolias your monteros and then even even Sean Bouchard and Alan Trejo it's way more fun like even if we get trounced it is more interesting and more fun to tune in and watch Alaris Montero play than it is to watch them trot the same lineup out and get annihilated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that I've really enjoyed you know, watching these guys play. Is just something so satisfying about Montero fielding a ball at third, throwing over a bullet over to first, and Tolia catching it. Well, Alan Trejo just cheers from shortstop, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Sean Bouchard in left field. It's just nice to see them play. They're learning. You get to see them grow. It's fun to watch the future because it's exciting. These are guys you hear about for years. You know, highly tutored draft picks, trade acquisitions. You, There's something new, too. Because when we see the Rockies just roll out the same guys again and again and again. Guys are struggling. We've seen managers just keep throwing the same struggling veteran out there again and again. It's nice to see something new and exciting that we haven't experienced before and see them do well or you know, see them growing is awesome to see. It's fun and it's exciting and makes you, you know, gives you hope and some optimism as a team and you know, as an organization. That's what the Rockies need to start doing is instilling hope and optimism back instead of just sticking their head in the sand. Let the kids play. No, And we're seeing that. Alan Trejo's getting more action here. And he's making the most of it. As much as he can. Will he be the opening day starting shortstop next year? Eh. But he's getting that action to put his name in the conversation. Which is really nice. Yep. The future and honestly, is now. And what we, I just want to touch on Trejo really quick before we switch over. Uh, before we go on break. Um, Trejo honestly probably should have been the opening day shortstop this season rather than the Rockies turning to Jose Iglesias. But, you know, what's done is done and all we can do is, is be happy that he's getting playing time right now and he's playing very, very well. And granted, it's a short amount of time, but he was called up on September 4th and he's played five games since then. He's hitting 357, 471, 643, two walks to four strikeouts, Uh, he has a home run, he has three RBIs, he's playing very, very well, and he always plays a solid defensive shortstop. And he's also got the the positional versatility where he can play third base, he can play second base. Alan Trejo is, if he's not going to be the starting shortstop, he can at least be a utility guy. And that's what Mm -hmm. he can do here in this last month, is prove that he belongs on the big league team for next year. And that mm-hmm. he should start with the big league team next year and be getting more playing opportunities. And I love Alan Trejo. I'm really glad to see him finally getting this opportunity. You know, you don't 
ever root for somebody getting injured, and I hope Jose Iglesias has a, a speedy recovery. But, you know, unfortunately, Iglesias going down has really opened it up for Alan Trejo to get this opportunity of playing everyday shortstop and, mm-hmm. and getting this additional playing time that he honestly might not have gotten had that not happened. And mm-hmm. so he's he's really making the most of it, and I'm really excited to see how he does over the rest of the season and what the Rockies decide to do with him. If nothing else, he becomes the new Garrett Hampson, but maybe slightly more productive. We'll never know. But yeah, young kids are playing. The future is now, Mac. The future yep. is now. That's what we've been waiting for. As Doc said to Marty... We've got to get back to the future. Nice. Seamless. Seamless. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll run a little long in our first half. But we'll keep it going. We're going to talk some MLB rule changes and then our August Players of the Month. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. Uh, we've got a lot to still talk about. We're still hanging out here. Talking about She-Hulk, Star Wars, all that good stuff yep. in between. And Jar Jar Binks is raw. No, 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 sex no, 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 uh-uh. What is the next topic, Skylar, please? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Mac. Because as of today, as we recorded, it was a little bit before we started recording, uh, We've got official rule changes that will be implemented in 2023 in Major League Baseball. Fun stuff. They brought up three changes. These are the ones that have been talked about for a while. So it's going to be a pitch timer. So the pitch clock's in. The interesting one is the defensive shift limits. And then bigger bases. Big, gigantic bases known to man these things are just going to be huge not really just a little a few inches more but three changes here in major league baseball and i kind of want to run down these first one by one pitch timer there will be a 30 second timer between batters between pitches there will be a 15 second timer with the bases empty and a 20 second timer with runners on base so alex colomay's really got a hustle uh it's true. He's A lot of guys are going to have mm. to hustle. Slow it down. The pitcher must begin his motion, deliver the pitch before the expiration of the pitch timer. Those pitchers who violate the timer are charged with a ball. Batters are charged with a strike. They can be called out on strikes in that instance. Batter must be in the box by the 8-second mark, or they'll be charged. Runners on base, timer will reset if the pitcher attempts a pickoff or steps off the rubber. So that's an important one to remember because pitchers are limited to two disengagements. They can step off or pick off attempts. If they pick off on that third time and they're unsuccessful, the runner gets the extra base. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting. Mound visits and everything, they don't count toward it as a disengagement. And then there's some mound visit stuff and umpires and whatnot, special circumstances, allowing more time. But the pitch clock, for the most part, I think a lot of people are in favor of this. Understandably, the Players Association 
they announced like, yeah, we unanimously like didn't want this. We voted against it in this joint committee, but they didn't have majority. But minor league baseball has seen some vast improvements here with the pitch clock. And I just want to get your guys quick takes here on you no know, pitch pitch clock. You in favor of it? Are you excited about it? Do you hate it? What do you think, Mac? I don't mind the pitch clock in and of itself. I think that it's fine. As you mentioned, I think the um, time that they are given is okay. I think that the pitchers themselves will probably hate it just because pitchers are such creatures of habit. But, like, I do think that it will speed the game up a little bit. As you mentioned, Alex Colomay, there are some guys that definitely take their time between pitches. Uh, Rafael Betancourt, uh, Rockies closer a couple years ago, was that same way. Um, so I don't mind that in and of itself. I don't like the pickoff rule. Mm-hmm. I think that's really weird. Um, I would love to know the data that is collected on how long pickoffs really add to a game. Um, but the idea that you're only allowed to throw towards a base twice, and then if you miss a third time, they automatically gain a base. Like That's just a really weird one to me. Um you know, you've got guys that really like to bounce around and disrupt a pitcher's timing on the mound uh, over by first and second base at various points in ball games, especially late. So I'm not sure I'm down with that change. Otherwise, I think the pitch count is fine, I, or the pitch clock is fine. I just don't know that, like, giving runners... And I know that, like, stolen bases are, like, an all-time low, and maybe that's part of it. They want to increase offense, they want more stolen bases, and I get that. But I don't know, that one just seems a little bit um, almost like... A solution in search of a problem to me mm-hmm. but as far as the pitch clock in and of itself and the timing of it and you know how there's more time given when there's runners on base i think that's all fine Very nice. so i can see where they're coming from with the pickoff rule because we've all been to games where we're getting frustrated because the pitcher is thrown to first base like six times and exactly. it's like get on with it yeah but i don't like a hard limit at two where after that the runner is just awarded the base because I think a big part of being a pitcher with runners on is being able to control the run game and you're sort of taking that away from the pitcher mm-hmm. where you need to be able to you know look over your shoulder or or check the runner by throwing uh, a pick off because you can you can throw to first base without it necessarily being I'm trying to pick off the runner it's more of a Hey, buddy, slow your roll. I see what you're trying to do out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was probably a better solution, but I do definitely see where they are coming from because, you know, I was talking with my roommate about this. He texted me before the show and was like, hey, they did my idea, kind of, where the last time we were at a game, the the opposing pitcher threw to first, like, three or four times in a row. And that can get a little bit old. Um, so I, I get it. But I think there was a better way to do it. Uh, in terms of the overall sure. pitch clock, I actually started against it um, when it was originally discussed. But after seeing how it's been implemented in the minor leagues and after having to deal with guys like Alex Colomay and Jordan Lyles and Raphael Betancourt over the years and just thinking about it, I think it's for the best. Um, especially when if the when the pitcher can reset the clock by stepping off the rubber. And um, the clock also, I believe, resets if the the batter calls a timeout in the batter's box. Um, Something I think they also added is that a batter only gets one timeout per at-bat. 
so I, I do like that it sort of goes on both sides of like, all right, the pitcher is on a time limit, but you can't, you, the batter, can't keep stalling things out by calling timeouts. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, overall, I think it's a fine rule change. I think it's going to need some, uh, some small fixes and adjustments over time. But the pitch clock in and of itself, I think, is is going to be better overall. Especially with, I've really liked how it has worked out in minor league games. Minor league games have had a nice, pretty brisk pace to them, but not feeling, like, overly short. Because mm-hmm. um, I watch, I don't know about you guys, I watch a lot of minor league ball during the season. Um, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. And I think that pacing does help and i know that we we laugh about all of the uh you know rob manfred's oh we have to fix the pace of play things but i do think this is one where it does help because goodness gracious another you know half hour long inning from alex colome is Hmm. it's a lot to ask a fan to sit through (laughs) it is tough yeah and and no, I those that know I work in the Pioneer League, independent league for the Northern Colorado Owls, and they were supposed to have pitch clock. We're supposed to have pitch clocks in our league, but they just didn't work out this year. They weren't able to get the clocks or the infrastructure. So I think only one team has them, the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and so they've kind of played with it through the season, and you can see the difference because some of these Pioneer League games, especially for the Owls, though the Thursday night right before we recorded this. I'd, we had a three-hour, 34-minute game because, one, a ton of offense, but, two, sometimes pitchers just going so slow. And we've had games that moved in along at a nice pace, and then certain pitchers come in, and it just becomes a slog because it's like mm-hmm. 30 seconds before they throw a pitch. You know, they then get the ball. They mosey around the diamond again get back on the mound, it's been 40 seconds since they've thrown a pitch. And it just slows the game down, just slows slows the pace, and baseball's all about momentum, getting into a rhythm. The better pitchers are the ones that work quick. They get the ball, they're ready on the mound, they're firing a pitch. No, and the batters that are not taking their sweet time, step out of the box, doing all that stuff, get back in the box. Instead, a pitch comes out, maybe they lean out, look down at third base, get their sign, get back in the box, we're ready to go, another pitch is in. So, I'm all for it. Let's speed things up. I don't want to feel like I'm watching the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition every single night. <laughs> as much as I love those movies, I don't want to watch it every single night. So, Amazing. Speed things up. And this quick thing, right before we move on real quick, uh, this is in an MLB.com article saying with the pickoff thing, it has increased stolen base attempts, with this rule in place in the minors this season, steal attempts per game have increased from 2.23 in 2019 at a 68% success rate to 2.83 in 2022 at a 77% success rate. So, I don't know if their stolen bases is the area they needed to focus on, but they have some reasoning behind it. So, we'll see. Sure. But at the end and of the I day, will say, I do like more stolen bases, uh, or at least steal attempts, especially with how frustrating the Rockies have been this year where they're just mm-hmm. they're not stealing bases yeah so we'll um, see so so we'll see how it goes yeah interesting stuff pickoffs and there's not that many pickoff 
outs ever anyway, so we'll see. All the more reason for catchers to get better at catching Steelers. Mm-hmm. Next one, defensive shift limits. This one's going to be the interesting one for a lot of folks. Where a defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. These restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play. So the stipulations, the four infielders must be within the outer boundary of the infield, i.e. cleats on the dirt. When the pitcher is on the rubber, infielders may not switch sides. In other words, a team cannot reposition its best defender on the side of the infield. The batter is more likely to hit the ball. So the Cardinals cannot stick Nolan Arenado over at second base. Pretty interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this rule does not preclude a team from positioning an outfielder in the infield. So you can still do five-man infields or in the shallow outfield grass but it does prohibit four outfielder alignments. Which, you don't see that one too often anymore, but right. it is kind of... This one, I'm not sure if this is the route purely that I would hope they would take. Because I do agree the shift needs some like limitations or at least a little adjustments. But, I don't know. It's a tough one. What do you think, Evan? <laughs> I'm a little torn on this one because I think shifts are really interesting in terms of overall baseball strategy, but I also think there is, you know, a limit and sometimes these shifts can get a little bit ridiculous and then get really frustrating. Um, I've always been one of those guys who's like, if they're shifted against you, then your goal is a, is a hitter is to hit it where they ain't though I do recognize that that is easier said than done 99% of the time. And um, Mario, one of our our other writers, is talking about currently uh, the uh, hitters who have the most ground outs or line drives hit directly into the shift, and our own Charlie Blackman has the sixth most at 61 ground balls or line drives hit directly into the shift. So for some players, this is going to be really beneficial. Like, we know that Chuck is capable of, of of getting the ball in play even when there is a shift, but we could see his you know performance improve even more with this this shift not in play where you don't have the second baseman pulled all the way over to right by first base and the shortstop over at second. Yep, I definitely get it, and it's also like the 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 five man infield happens so rarely that. Um, I can understand why that's not really, really a thing, but you don't need like, you don't need your shortstop all the way out in left. You don't, you don't need to do some of those defensive shifts. And, you know, for some teams, I don't think this is going to make a huge difference defensively. Uh, the Rockies shift some of the fewest amount of times in all of major league baseball. So I don't think this is going to be a big thing for them. Um, but for other teams, I think it's going to be a big adjustment. And so I'm really curious to see how things go. Um, but overall, I guess I'm sort of indifferent towards it. I used to be a lot more against it. And then for a little bit, I was like, yeah, maybe we should be in the shift. And now I'm just sort of feeling like it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, Mac, what if you can take, cause it says you can stick your, you can basically have the same shift. If you just sacrifice maybe having your you know, right fielder play in that shallow outfield and risk the, the potential, or you just stick your center fielder out there. 
they might get some, yeah. they they're gonna find some loopholes and maybe you get funky with things or no maybe you take your third baseman and oh this batter's coming up we're gonna make a defensive swap where we're gonna put mm-hmm. him in right field and put our right fielder at third base. I wonder if there's loopholes like that. Yeah, you know, I am sort of the opposite of Evan, actually, because I was anti-banning this shift because I feel like it's a it's a viable defensive strategy. You know, you're trying to keep runs off the board. You want to keep runners off the base paths. Like, why wouldn't you be able to move your infielders around? Now I'm a little bit more open to it. I'm, I think that, you know, it's it's not like the shift is going away entirely in the sense that, like, you can still move guys around. Like, there's a video Mike Pitriello actually just shared on face on, uh, on Facebook, what? On uh, Twitter uh, about this same concept. Like, you can still have your shortstop positioned behind second base, right? Your second baseman's in the, let's call it, typical second base spot between second and first base. And your shortstop can still be behind second base more or less up the middle. He just can't be on the other side of second mm-hmm. base, right? So if that ball is pulled a little bit to the right side of the second baseman, your shortstop can still go to his left and make that play. Mm-hmm. Good luck visualizing what I just described. I know those use a lot of rights and lefts and whatever. But the point is, like, you can still move your infielders around. You just can't have, like you said, Skyler, you can't just have, like, three infielders on the right side of second base anymore. It doesn't bother me that much, really. Um, I think it's, like, whatever. Um, I personally don't necessarily think it was 100% necessary. I don't think that they're was like a desperate need to get rid of the shifts to increase offense, but it's fine. I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah. I think the big thing I always go back to is there was no reason for Manny Machado to basically make a catch in the right field corner in that one game. Like, there's no reason for him to be there to be able to run back and make yeah. that catch. That's why you have a right fielder. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's whatever. It'll, like other things, they'll get adjustments, but yeah, totally. for now we'll yeah. see how it goes. And something that I'm hoping with is that maybe this will will get um, you know teams to focus a little bit more on developing certain players' defense because for your really really good defenders, having the shift or not is not going to matter for them trying to make a play most of the time. Like mm. your Nolan Arenado is still going to be your Nolan Arenados. Mm. So if this leads to uh, more people having their defense focused on as a part of their development and we get more really good or really interesting defenders out of it, that could be a, a net positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, good defense. More defense, good stuff, and more offense. So it'll help you know, guys like Charlie Blackman. Maybe Joey Gallo can have a career resurgence finally. Instead yeah. of leaving the Yankees with a terrible curse that causes them to collapse. Mm-hmm. If only the same thing would happen to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing, we don't really need to talk about this one very much. We'll hop into players of the month, but they're making the big bases, adding three inches, uh, a three-inch vertical, 15 inches, and they'll increase them to 18 inches. Home plate will be unchanged. Hey, I'd take a bigger home plate. Imagine the strike zone. But, yeah, it's mostly just to help with safety no, the players were in favor of this one. This was the one rule that they were very that they did vote for as well in that joint committee. They did not want to vote for the other two. But bigger bases, it just helps. You know, safety thing, less injuries, running down to first, a little bit bigger thing can help increase stolen bases because there's a bigger target. Mm-hmm. You can get your hands in there. I think overall, no, it, it won't have a huge 
huge impact, but it's it's kind of that minuscule thing. We're like, yeah, it's nice that they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, fun stuff. I, yeah, that's pretty much what it is, honestly. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like may like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen um, players get hurt on plays at the bases before that could probably be solved by this change. I think this is the only one of the. Um, in fact, I know this is the only one of the proposed changes that was universally agreed upon by both the league and the players' um, union. So, yeah, no, I think it's perfectly fine. Um, overdue. I'm happy to have it. Uh, this change will create a four-and-a-half-inch reduction in the distance between first and second base and between second and third, which encourages more stolen base attempts. There you go. So, uh, less running, which I am all for. So you're only running, like, 86 <laughs> inches. 86 feet. <laughs> No, that would be feet. Anytime inches. there's less running, I'm always going to be for it. Yeah, you're only going to be running like 89 feet and something mm-hmm. inches. So, Fun stuff. Alrighty. Those are the rule changes. Let's talk about our role changes, more or nice. less. Players of the Month for the month of August. And as always, as those who know, we pick a Player of the Month, a Pitcher of the Month, and then out of those two, choose our MVP for the month and looking back at july we were all kind of around we had chris bryant as our player and mvp of the month so good for him when he was actually playing and then yep. different on the pitchers mac had daniel bard evan had lucas gilbreth and then i had herman marquez as my pitcher of the month now we move on to august so we'll start with evan who's your pitcher your player and then your mvp So I've talked about it a lot on my Twitter and gotten some interesting feedback about this, uh, to say the least. Uh, Kevin, also known as the uh, Sabermetric Skeptic over at Rock's Pile, also enjoyed some of this with me when we were talking about it, uh, is that my picture of the month is one wild thing, Mr. Carlos (laughs) Estevez, who has had a really, really good second half of the season, but in August especially, only allowed one earned run and three three total runs. Only walked two batters. Only allowed one home run. Batters uh, Batting average against, 192. On base against, 220. His ERA is 0.6. Nine, and that's over 13 outings and 13 innings. He has really, really turned his season around. And there's a there's a really good article over on Rock's Pile from a couple days ago about the adjustments he's made. Because we remember earlier in the season, he was really struggling. He was not getting a lot of strikeouts early on. He didn't have a good feel for his pitches, and he he ended up having to make some adjustments where. After the All-Star break, he's been really, really good. And he, he admittedly didn't have a, a great outing, uh, his most recent outing, which was on September 4th, where he allowed two earned runs over one inning of work. But he's got his ERA all the way down below four, one of the few Rockies pitchers to do it. But in August especially, he just was absolutely lights out. He had multiple two and three strikeout outings. He had two outings on August 3rd and August 30th where he struck out all th- all three uh, batters for the outs. And 
he went almost the entire month of August without giving up a walk. Uh, the only walks that he issued that month came on August 30th. So he issued two walks in the month of August, and both of them came on August 30th, the very last day of the month. He's been drastically improved to the point where, and you know, this kind of happened last year, where he ended up last season being really kind of unsung in terms of the the quality appearances he was getting out of the bullpen, where I was wondering at the deadline of maybe it was time to trade Estevez or if it was time to move on, and now I'm wondering here as we end towards the season of maybe the Rockies should bring him back. Because it really has been in this second in this second half here, he's been good. He's been he's been good to the point where more people should be talking about how good he really has been. Because if you look at just July, July 1st through now, September 4th, even with those couple bad outings, even with that bad outing on September 4th, through 26 appearances, he's got an ERA of 252 and a FIP of 315. So the advanced metrics are backing up his performances. And his his month of August may be a little bit unsustainable. He's got that 0.69 ERA, uh, and his FIP is something like 250. So not not quite backed up by the advanced metrics, but still, he was the Rockies' best pitcher in the month of August. The next closest person uh, is Justin Lawrence, who had an ERA of 2 in the month of August and pitched half as many games. And, you know, a bunch of the other uh, pitchers really struggled in August. When when Lucas Gilbreth got hurt, uh, his August became tough. Uh, the starters have, have not been great in August. They've been up and down. Though Ermond's been, Ermond's been okay in, in August. But it really has been, if you look at all the pitchers that the Rockies have rolled out, it's got to be Carlos Estevez for me. And then, moving right along into that, my position player of the month... Um, probably not who I would have expected is Randall Grichik. Randall Grichik in August really, really turned it on where he slashed 337, 381, 490, uh, four home runs, three doubles, uh, only nine RBIs. So that, that does speak to, um, some, some things I've said about the Rockies offense as a whole where, uh, unfortunately, it, it is kind of empty, as it were. But Grichik has been a really solid presence here uh, in the month of August, and then we've seen him continue that into September, where he had that two-home run game uh, and was a huge part of that Rockies comeback against the Brewers, and that is him leveraging a really, really excellent August. Um, struck out 23 times. Uh, not great versus the only four walks, but this is a team that doesn't walk that much um, in terms of overall plate approach. But the fact that he basically leads everybody on this team in almost every category except for slugging percentage, where he has the second best or third best slugging percentage of the month of August. Randall Gretchik has just been a really, really good hitter. And he has been elevating the ball a little bit more. He had that problematic ground ball percentage um, for a huge portion of the season, and it has been a little bit better. And I'd like to see him continue to improve that, especially if he's going to be on this team next year because he has another year in his contract. But I really I really will say uh, Randall Gretchik has been my batter of the month, position player of the month. 
And then... Tough one for who's going to be my MVP. Um, but I think I'm going to give it to Gritchick. His first time getting it since Mac gave it to him in April. There we go. Nice breakdown there. Uh, Mac, how about you? Well, um, it's interesting that Evan picked those two players because that's who I have too. Uh, no argument from me. I totally agree with everything you said. I have very little to add, honestly. Um, I think that Estevez, like Evan mentioned, he's been a guy over the last couple seasons. Weird to think he's the longest tenured Rocky, isn't it? But uh, he's a guy over the last couple seasons that has just struggled to find that consistency. And I think this right now, this version of Estevez is what they've wanted throughout his entire Rockies career. The stuff has always been there. He's always been able to throw absolute gasoline. But now he's mixing in a lot of good breaking pitches. He's got a slider that's working for him. He's got a halfway decent changeup now. He's getting strikeouts in big moments. He's getting more strikeouts now than we've seen him get almost ever. Like he is just really locked in. Um, I think he is just where, you know, they have always hoped he could be. And it's great to see. And he is, you know, as great as Daniel Bard has been this year, in this second half, I would almost argue that Estevez has been better. And Bard's been great this year. But Estevez right now is lights out. Love to see it. Randall Grichik, same thing. You're right, Evan, about the ground balls. We've talked about that all season long. But right now, Grichik, again, this is what they wanted him to be. And this is what I saw from him in April. That's why I named him MVP back then in April, because I really thought that he's been a guy, or he could be a guy that could lift the ball like he's done, right, in Toronto and in St. Louis. He's been somebody that is able to hit for power. He's always been a good outfielder. That has never changed. But right now, he's just locked in, finally getting the bat underneath the ball. Um, you're seeing the average. You're seeing the power. So I'm very happy to see Grisha kind of get back to where uh, we thought he could be. And, yeah, he's my MVP as well. Rocky's offense with a lot of these kids plan uh needs a guy that can step up and show sort of show them the ropes cj crone we talked about has kind of dipped in the second half ryan mcmahon i think is an honorable mention as far as the offensive player of the month ryan mcmahon's had a very nice august but i think gritchick right now is just locked in at the plate he's looking real good he's my mvp mm-hmm. which leaves of course just our buddy skyler who you got for your pitcher and your position player and your mvp of august so i am completely off the books with both of you my pitcher of the month Aww. is one Justin Lawrence, the okay. sidearm fire. The Lion of Panama. <laughs> That's not what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> the law offices of Justin Lawrence. There it is. But it just this kind of fits into that theme of him letting the kids play. No, Lawrence isn't necessarily the kid, but kind of up and down all season, hasn't really gotten a chance to stick in that bullpen, is finally emerging here over this last month or so as really a lockdown reliever out of that bullpen. And that's something that they need, and especially him. That yep. side armor can throw gas and have some wicked movement on his slider. Now, it's effective. He had six, just in six games, nine innings pitched. Two runs, no home runs, three walks, 11 strikeouts, a whip of one, and he's given up six hits, but hey, that's three less than Carlos Estevez. Uh, so he's been locked down just a two ERA, one and oh, six games. He's finished two games. So he's that guy that we've seen just has that ability to be a lockdown reliever, 
that potential, you know, a guy that could come in in the ninth inning and you could trust him to slam the door. And he's really having that, you know, that, that, I guess that resurgence and that confidence boost. He's got a 3.21 FIP right now, a 102 ERA plus this season overall, 4.65 ERA on the season in 31 innings. So this is the most, he only had 16 and two thirds last year, but he's getting some more sticking power this season. And it's really been coming together in the month of August and here into early September. So it's, it's nice to see Justin Lawrence really starting to emerge and oh he's 27 so he's not necessarily the young guy but he he's a a newer player that's still fresh in the big leagues that you can see what you've got out of him you can get another couple years out of him yeah and so that's my pitcher and then my player of the month is the big mac attack the big mac nice ryan mcmahon and we talked about this before no I think it was our last episode or a couple episodes ago, just about Ryan McMahon's season and his resurgence again. And he had a fabulous month of August. 311 average, 351 on base, 533 slugging. Finally just saw him start get that, that power bat. We know he has. Get that a little more. Had five home runs. Drove in 15. That was tied for the most on the team with C.J. Crone. Six walks, 14 runs. Had his five doubles. Just overall nice approach, and they've been experimenting with him at the top of the order as the leadoff man, the leadoff McMahon. It's, hmm. You're seeing him kind of grow and develop as a hitter, and it's been a learning process for a lot of these guys this year, trying to overcome slumps and a lot of struggles. And we're seeing, we saw him do it in the month of August, and really – the player, just like you guys mentioned with Randall Gritchick, the player the Rockies hoped he could be. And it's unfortunate they couldn't help him figure that out earlier in the season. And it's not until August when the games really mean nothing. But to see him slowly start to figure things out, show those glimpses of the raw talent he has, the Rockies because then look at these things and then they need to look within themselves and be like, hey, how can we get these guys, like Randall Gritchick, Ryan McMahon, how can we help them keep this going all the time and not just you know, a month or a week out of the season? We need these guys to be doing this all the time. I did get close to saying McMahon. He has had a very, very nice month. Yeah. Right. Uh, nice. Both of your picks, Skyler, were my runners-up for yep. both of my positions, so I think those are really, really great picks. And yep. I almost said Randall Gritchick. <laughs> all of us think alike, man. No, and... Uh... So, between McMahon and Dustin Lawrence, Sky Guy, who you got as your MVP? Uh, Chad Smith, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's a real wild card for y'all. I think I'd say Ryan McMahon. It's hard to give the MVP to the pitchers, I guess, for us. Sure. But Ryan McMahon, no, he was a big part of that offense and really helping charge some things, and it's nice to see him kind of be that reliable bat more and more, especially from the left side when – our left-handed yep. options are dwindling more and more. And yep. some consistency out of that is always nice. So good on Ryan McMahon. Now, Dig if only it. we could do this from April through September, we would be in <laughs> That's the next step. A-OK. That's the next step. It's coming. <laughs> but, yeah, so those are my three choices. Only one round to go of our September slash October player of the month. 
It's weird to think about, isn't it? So one more to go. I but really do been... like your Justin Lawrence pick, Skyler. Because I'll keep this really quick because I know we are running running long here. But I wrote back in April, towards the end of April, that it looked like Justin Lawrence had finally found his big league form to be a reliable, everyday kind of reliever. And he had a really, really good April, where in the month of April, nine appearances, he had an ERA of 169 and had 13 strikeouts. And he was he was doing really well. And then all of a sudden, the Rockies start bouncing him up and down. And they've used up basically all of his options for the year. So you can be optioned five times in a season, uh, sending him back and down, where when he's come back up, he hasn't really been able to get his footing. So in May and what limited pitching he did in July, he didn't really do that well up here in the big leagues. But now that he uh, has been recalled for pretty much the rest of the season here, um, middle to end of August and then through here in September, he's really been pretty solid. And, you know, he's had two kind of hit or miss outings um, in the last week or so where uh, in that in that game against Milwaukee um, the on September 7th, he pitched one shutout inning and was great, but then gave up a run in his second inning. But he still struck out three batters. But he's getting a strikeout pretty much every outing. His his walks are down. His ERA is going back down. And this is what like he should he should have been, I think, with the team pretty much all year, because this is the year where we needed to see what we've gotten Justin Lawrence. And we're finally doing that here in the end of the season. And he's been really solid. And so I really, really like that pick. And also, I want to say, you balked at the nickname Lion of Panama. That nickname is approved by both the player and his parents. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no. Yes. No. He's got, he's got the beard and the long hair. It's his mane, and he's, well, from Panama. There you go. I like it. Yeah, he is. That's going to do it here for this <laughs> edition of Affected by Altitude. We have run way too long now. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much for sticking with us again. The podcast continues on. We are unaffected by altitude now. And thank you all for your support. And just keep checking out the website and everything. Uh, Really quick, rapid fire. Mac, where can the folks find you? Yep. Hit me up anytime uh, at Twitter, MacWilcoxCBP. Happy to talk to you about all the drama going on with CM Punk. Or anything related to Rockies baseball. Evan, where are you at? You can find me at, at Evan underscore Lang27 on Twitter, um, as well as all of my writing on www.purplerow.com, where you can also find Mac and Skyler and all of our other fantastic writers. You can also yes, hit sir. us up at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. And Skyler, where can you be found? Wherever friendship blossoms. Is this going to be an every week thing? You got to wax poetic on us? I think it is now. I just saw the keyblades on Max's wall. I got it reminded plenty. Reminded me of friendship. My friends are my power. But you can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, yeah, fun stuff. Also, my Sunday rock piles. Not this past Sunday because I wrote two of them last week and I am busy moving and stuff. So, Kenneth will be <laughs> taking over my Sunday rock pile for the Sunday before this episode comes out. So 
Look forward to other things on purplerow.com from all of us. But again, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Farewell! Classic. <laughs>